Contrast uncut, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast uncut Contrast Uncut is season five, and this is my spotlight episode, Talk to Spirit edition. I want to give a big shout out to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, and today we have an incredibly dope special guest. She is a world-renowned and celebrated psychotherapist with a passion for families and relationships, an author, consultant, motivational speaker, workshop facilitator, mental health advocate and radio and TV personality. <laughs> On top of all of that, she is a dedicated wife and mother of seven. And as my wife puts it, she's the go-to therapist on TV as well as in real life. I have seen the mental health queen on her own show on Oprah Winfrey's Network Love Goals, a show that she hosts and has personalities and personally has really helped me in my marriage from her advice of celebrity couples. You may have also seen her on big shows, you know, the Daily Helpline, Dr. Phil, Steve Harvey, Ricky Smiley Morning Show. I mean, just to name a few. Or you could remember her from the Sirius XM radio show and CBS radio where she hosted a live call-in talk show about love, sex, and relationships. I'm talking about this lady is one of those ones where you got to look at a blueprint of her career and just understand that the work she put in is the way she arrived. And that's the positive side of light is that sometimes, you know, you got that side where everything's negative and, you know, if you do bad things, sometimes that could happen, but it's the same thing if you do great things, great things could happen. And if you don't know who I got on the show by now, it's all good. We get all episode to talk to Spirit Enterprises CEO, as many free advice without it being Friday and daily Spirit Gems as possible. I'm talking Dr. <laughs> Spirit, everybody. How you doing, Queen? Oh my gosh. Listen, I, with that kind of introduction, like uh, that's incredible. That has just taken me back across the journey. So thank you so much for all of that. Wow. Oh, it is an honor and a pleasure. I got to tell you from the jump, time is the most finite thing we have on this earth. Got to tell you how much I appreciate Amen. the time rocking with me, rocking with the viewers and the listeners. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm always happy to be here and spread the message. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of time, Dr. Spirit, what's a normal 24 hours for you? Oh, there's no such thing. Like, you know, when you have seven kids and a husband and a business and you and clients and all of that, um, no two days look alike. So what I've learned is to just kind of pay attention to my body. I'm getting better with that as I get older, listening to the natural ebb and flow and trying to just not think about what yesterday was, but what today needs to be. Because tomorrow, listen, after if we didn't learn anything in 2020, right? Tomorrow, the way we envision it is definitely not promised to us. So it's about how can you be like water? How do you ebb and flow with the moment so that you don't find yourself in constant conflict with what you wanted it to be, trying to force it to be that instead of dealing with what actually is, because that's what we're only in control of. Ooh. And you think that just watching Bruce Lee movies was just a part of Kung Fu. <laughs> I'm going to try not to laugh myself through this. You are so funny and awesome. That's really good. 
No, but it's it's such a light, but also very powerful. So many messages get thrown and so much gets lost. And you don't realize that the one thing you really do need to inquire in your body is water daily. And you need to be like water so that you can just go through things. You know, you can be in a current or you can get out the current. Mm -hmm. Come on, ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Because that's the only thing that you are in control of is how you are responding to a moment. And if you're disconnected from yourself, then you won't be able to respond appropriately in order to give yourself what you need for the next moment. So it's really like, how can you constantly be in tune with yourself as you're navigating every single moment? And I could admit myself, I had a moment this morning where I had to catch myself and had to apologize. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all human and things do happen, but as much as you mm-hmm. can have wisdom and, and nourishment to certain situations, sometimes you become that person. <laughs> And then monster. Yeah, you know, and the thing about that, that's good. That's good. When you think about the thing, when you when you find yourself in that moment, what I tell people is it's about becoming curious, right? Because if you know the person that you want to be, but things trigger you into being something different, that's where you have to get curious to go, what is this about? That just pissed me the hell off. What was that? Oh, now you made me want to fight. What is triggering that? Because that's not who I want to be. And usually when the person is provoking you like that, it has nothing to do with them. It's from another point in time in your life. And it just presses that button that takes you back there. So it's really interesting. If you can get curious about constantly being reintroduced to yourself, it really empowers you in a different way. And the things that made you feel that like that in that moment, you'd be like, oh, see, the old me would have showed up like this, but this is how I know I'm growing because the new me, mm, I, that hit in a different way. And I can respond to you in a different way in this moment. Ooh, the reflection looks so much nicer when you put it that way. Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. And just learning how to meet people where they are and realize that they're in our lives provoking us in certain ways for a reason. And that allows us to really be in control and go, I chose this. I chose you. I chose this moment. Everything that I had before this led me to this moment. So here I am. Do I have what I need? Of course I do. Let me go inward, not outward to lash at you, but let me pay attention to what you're creating and provoking in me. It's a different way of doing it. Powerful, powerful gem from the jump. I'm talking, that was like a 20 karat diamond on a conveyor belt. They had to have reinforcement. <laughs> Sheesh. Queen, I have That's a quote. Good. Let me know how this quote relates to you, or if it doesn't, the idea is I want you to just talk about it and just, you know, let me know how it relates. It's relatable. I go with the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, no pun intended. Let's do it. Okay. My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style, Maya Angelou. Mm. Oh, let me tell you, that's so interesting. I've never heard that quote, but that lets me know that she is definitely my elder. She is definitely an ancestor because that is my tribe right there. I constantly tell people that we are naturally hardwired to survive, right? That whole Darwinism, survival of the fittest. DNA is the most selfish thing that we have on the planet. We all have it in us. And we are made to survive by any means necessary, right? And so as it relates to mental health, I'm constantly telling people that we all have mental health, but what we don't all have is mental wellness. And that is because our ancestors have been 
been in survival mode for so long. If you look at our journeys, whether it's been enslavement, whether it's been forced migration, whether it's been genocide, starvation, famine, we've just been surviving. And so part of that for so many of our ancestors, they literally had to dis disconnect from their bodies in order to survive. Because when you're dealing with that kind of struggle, you can't deal with the depression or the anxiety or the acute stress disorder or the post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, it's enslaved folks couldn't go, I I'm not going out there to pick cotton today because I'm depressed, right? The punishment for depression back then, they would literally beat you until you found life in you. They would cut off limbs in order to provoke you or motivate you to get back at it. So in order for people to survive, they literally had to disconnect, which meant that so many of us were walking around literally just surviving. And so many of our ancestors and our elders have said to us, of course, I love you. Of course, I've taken care of you. I put a roof over your head. I put food in your belly. Don't ask me about feelings. Don't talk to me about how you feel. Forget your feelings. You know, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about, right? We have all these lessons about being disconnected from ourselves in order to now just survive. But here we are in this moment where we can connect to our wellness so that we can move from surviving to thriving right? That's a different place. Surviving is just having all of the needs met so that my DNA can continue. But to thrive means to actually be plugged into myself, to feel a state beyond just getting by, to be it. able to feel joy, to be able to feel intimacy, connection, to feel alive is literally to thrive. And that's something so different. So honor to the queen, on, honor, honor. Oh, I just, I adore Dr. Angelo. Whew. Mm. Whew. That's, that's, that quote is everything. Yes, yes. She was everything though. Yes. To walk the earth during a time and to be able to have seen her. Oh, she just, yeah. I got chills. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. I got to know, Queen. I asked every guest of mine this question. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the mental, mental health game in this, in this way. Did the game choose you or did mm -hmm. you choose the game? No, the game definitely chose me. Um, and I love to tell folks, I've literally been doing this work since elementary school. Um, and I did not know that it was a job. I originally wanted to be an OBGYN, believe it or not. Like if you ask my family, they would have told you she was gonna be a doctor, she was gonna deliver babies. And I literally did not think about mental health as a profession until I got to college and actually took Psych 101 as an elective. I was pre-med biology. But what also was happening throughout the course of my life was I had a I started out as a peer counselor in the first grade. We were literally 10 of us were selected and we were trained back then to be peers, um, peer to peer kind of counseling. We had adults come in to talk to us about everything from suicide to divorce to um, changing schools and relocating and then we we were peer counselors and I did that throughout elementary school and then when I got to middle school we didn't have a program like that and I was like why not because that was like a normal way of functioning I didn't couldn't see the students not having that so I worked with um, an advisor in middle school to be able to start a program and then when I got to high school the same thing we didn't have that so I worked with an advisor to create that so to me it was a normal way of functioning it was a normal way of being the idea of of making money off of it or having that as a career, I just thought, don't we all do this? 
isn't this, shouldn't we all be there for one another? Don't we all know when somebody's in trouble? Don't we all care about each other and wanna see each other do well? And so I never thought about it within that context. And so I tell people all the time, if we could do the same thing for the next generation, where mental health and wellness becomes, we think about it in the same way we think about math or science or any other actual practical application, this world will be a better place because yeah. we're all walking around with such trauma in our bodies that if it was just healed, I really, before I leave this planet, I really want us to really focus on mental health and wellness in schools from K through 12 and then on through college and beyond. But for us to really look at it, I would love for the younger generations to go, how did they not have therapists in school? Like, how did y'all not go to therapy on a regular, like, how did y'all, like, horse and buggy, like, that's just archaic. Like, how did you not do that? I don't understand that as a format, as a way of being. Because if we can change that, then we can move a whole generation. We can create, shift a legacy so that the, the generations that come after us, the real legacy that we leave is them beginning to thrive as the norm and recognize that anything less than that is unacceptable. And when someone is just barely getting by, just barely surviving, that shifts the whole culture. And we cannot have another generation who is lost in their culture. It's just unacceptable. I it's unacceptable. It. I, I love one that you want to heal and strengthen. And then you're an advocate since you were an mm. adolescent, an advocate for something mm -hmm. that you recognized was a problem, but nobody else saw it as an issue. And that strengthened you. That strengthened to understand your core. Yeah. of, Hey, this is an issue that I only see as a problem. I'm going to make it work. And that's something that not only our culture, but our communities all across the board would rather look away than put attention to it. And that's something that yeah. yeah, advocacy of paying more attention to so that we can strengthen each other and we can all rise. And it all starts in the mental health because like for me- It I absolutely up, does. Say that, say that. Like, cause it, like for me, I grew up where, you know, dysfunction was a okay situation. It was normalcy. It was something that mm -hmm. we dealt with every day in our atmosphere. So when someone else didn't experience dysfunction, we're looking at them like they're the problem. And then as you continue to grow, you really like your parents don't want you to discuss the dysfunction. And so you can't go to school talking about what's going on. And then, you know, eventually they get themselves in situations and then mm -hmm. eventually the stuff comes out and you just got to elevate and you got to pour that energy into that excuse of why you shouldn't do it into why you should elevate and arrive. You know what? It's so critical, and I'm so glad that you point that out because it takes me back. And I I use this almost like in every interview that I do, but it's just because I like absolutely believe it. And it's the saying of that one of my colleagues, Resma Minikim, has said. And he says he teaches about trauma, and he said that you know trauma within a person decontextualized when you don't understand what's happening within that person. Trauma looks like personality. So you think it's your personality, right? And that trauma decontextualized within a family looks like family dynamics. And that trauma decontextualized within a people looks like culture, right? Mm -hmm. 
So if you really think about that and you think about some of the culture of various groups within our groups, right, within who we all are, and you go, why do they act like that? Why do they function like that? If you're not really asking the question, if that's just a rhetorical, why are they like that? But you don't really go deep enough to contextualize the behavior, to recognize they are traumatized. They are a traumatized people. They are a traumatized group and they are having stress responses. They are having debilitating responses to years and generations of trauma. So we don't really understand what we're looking at. We're looking at groups of people who are walking around in survival mode, doing the best that they can, who have been told that their feelings don't matter, just simply produce. But because your feelings are everything, your feelings are the foundation of why you show up the way that you do, because your feelings are your body's alarm systems for how you get your needs met and what needs you have. But because we're disconnected, we can't identify our feelings. So I don't, I can't identify when I'm feeling vulnerable. I can't identify when I'm, when I'm feeling in danger. I can't identify when I'm feeling hungry. I can't identify when I'm feeling lonely. And if I can, if I'm good enough to identify some of those feelings, I still have been conditioned to believe that my feelings don't matter. I haven't behaved in places and spaces where I believe that those feelings can be supported or taken care of or fulfilled. And I don't have the coping skills or I've been dealt with all this toxic femininity or this toxic masculinity that tells me I don't have the right to ask for my needs to be met because then I'll be perceived as weak or less manly or less womanly. So we've got all of this toxic culture that re-traumatizes us over and over while meanwhile, we're just trying to do the best we can to survive every day and take care of ourselves and our families. It is insane the way all of this just taxes our mental health and wellness every day. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely puts a a a challenging perspective for one to relate to people Mm -hmm. when you do find that common ground of relating to people you sort of cling to those people and when you cling to to certain dynamics you know you can get that that negative approach as well because that's that's all people know that's all we know and then you don't get to older Mm -hmm. and you realize that was a whole bunch of nonsense and then elevation that part I tell people all the time that I tell them that, you know, your relationships, intimate and and platonic, your relationships are a reflection of where you are on your healing journey, because the people that you're choosing and the experiences that you are choosing are just reflecting back to you where you are. And they're allowing you to either heal all of that trauma that sits within you as it continues to re-trigger you, or it allows you to just reenact those same unhealthy cycles, because now you're older. And so you have the resources that you didn't have in earlier parts of your life. I'm a grown up now. You're not just going to talk to me crazy. I'm going to get back with you. I don't need this job. I got money. I can go ahead and make my own way. I have my own house to go to. So I can show up with you in ways that I couldn't show up with my parents or previous employers or people who broke my heart. I'm a lot more mature and I have a lot more resource now. So how we show up is either like, I'm going to fight you and fight everybody else that I could not fight back then, you become the representative for them. Or you know what, I'm trying to leave all that alone. And I want to do this a different way. And so this is healing me by giving me a chance to show up and use different parts of myself in the now. You know, as oddly as very interesting, 
something that really helped me is understanding the definition of insanity and how to use it into ways of what you're doing and how to how are you going to grow from that and then a lot of the times when you use that you may think you're like crazy but no it's letting you know that hey that cycle of what you're doing is not working you got to find a way to break that cycle because if you don't it's going to happen again and again sometimes it takes motivation of with your friends and family like hey i need to put myself out there in a different environment i need to go out there and work the same way i work with them with other people and get your own elevation and you know that there's a lot of work it requires a lot of your strength and your mental health (laughs) yeah you know and the two things that i will say that it requires more than anything believe it or not one i call it take a beat it requires you to take a second no matter what give yourself a good 30 to 90 seconds before you respond because what happens is the way that the brain, it's just such a superior organism, the way that it's made in order to increase your likelihood of survival is if it's met with the same kind of situation over and over, it doesn't have to go through all the same steps to make a decision about how it's gonna respond. It's like, it takes a shortcut. So you become reflexive in how you show up, right? We call it impulse. You just respond impulsively. You did that, so I just went. But that means then that we're not present in the moment. We are triggered to our past, right? So somebody can show up with you and how I love to tell folks, it's like how you know that you're a responsive or reflexive or impulsive responder is that somebody does something to you and you show up on 10. And then when you calm down later on, you look back and you wind up having to apologize because you realize, damn, that really only warranted like a two. Like they did that and I just went in because, you know, I I can't take that. Like when people do that to me, yo, I just can't handle that. So if you can just take a beat, it allows you to get present in this moment. And then you can ask yourself, what is it triggering in me and how do I want to show up? And sometimes we have to behave different than how we feel, right? Because the feeling is triggered to where we're going back to. But the behavior is something that we're in control of right now. But we have to disin- we have to disconnect and rewire those parts of ourselves. That's part of the healing process that brings us to new spaces. And that takes time. You can't just automatically go, I want to be a different person. And here's the hard part too. Sometimes you can't necessarily step away from the friends or the family or the circles that you've been in and get a different response. Because if you don't take the beat to get rewired, you, everywhere you go, there you are. So you still show up in the new places behaving like the old person in the old way, right? Because you don't know what your pattern is. You don't even know what you need. You don't know the new people that you need. You don't know the new spaces that you need. And then you walk around and you get into those place, those places of peace and it feels uncomfortable because there's no chaos. Your body is used to moving. Your body is used to dysfunction. Your body is used to drama. Your body is used to being provoked. So when people even come at you gently, you've already been burned. So you show up, don't touch me. What's going on? I don't trust you, I this. And though, so those healthy spaces, the places that you dream of, the places that you desire, you can't even show up in a healthy way there because you're not healthy yet until you do the work of healing that requires action. You can't just show up and, he- and be healed. You will show up and be disformed or deformed in those places and spaces. And that doesn't serve you either. Whew. 
right? That's why we have those same patterns. We date the same kind of people. We have the same kind of friends. We go, how did I wind up here? Man, this must be all women or this, or all men or this, or this is how life flows. And it's like, no, that's how your life is flowing because you keep choosing the same patterns that take you back to the same place because you haven't healed the things you needed to heal to attract a different experience, to choose a different experience, to create a different experience. And that's the, that's the journey of mental wellness. Ooh, that's different. You know, as, as I hear all this, it, it takes me back to one old school saying is don't block your blessing. Mm. And I think it resonates mm. so much with how much you reflect on what you're doing and catching yourself and recognizing that the mirror is the same as what you're looking into. It's how you fix it. Mm. I got to know, Queen. I got to get back to this this script because otherwise I keep on talking. Oh, go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, get carried away. I was like, oh, Lord, I got to put my attention back to the queen. What was your confirmation okay, come on. being in mental health and psychotherapy was what you're going to do with your life? Like, when did it come to where would you say it was when you were in middle school and, and you put the the peer the peer advisory back into into full effect of recognizing how everyone feels? Or would you say once you got to college and you recognize that they had a actual field for what you felt deep inside and passionate about to arrive at? Or would you say it was later down the road when you started to get a camera in front of you and recognize that you got more, help more people with a camera in front of you versus the people that come into the room? Like, you know, what was that confirmation that you knew that this is, this is it? You know what, that is a great question and nobody has ever asked me that question in my entire 20 years of doing this, that's a, that is a killer question. And the answer to that question is I've only recently discovered that in the last year or two, and I'm coming to rediscover it in a deeper, more meaningful way at this point in my career. I always knew that radio and television, the, the reasons for doing it was I learned early in, I had a program director who helped me understand the power of media and how that magnified the message, right? Because he was like, spirit, okay, so you tell me that you do all these one-on-one -on -one sessions. If you worked hard all day, you could see seven or eight people. But every time you get on the air for me, you're talking to over 100,000 people every 15 minutes, right? And so when he put that in perspective, it was like, whoa, because I know that most of the people that really need help, I'll never see them in my office. And he was baiting me. That's how he actually got me to do this radio show that he wanted me to do. Um, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But to, the, to your point, what I have said for a long time is that anybody could do this work. Anybody could do it. And I genuinely believe that to be true. But what I have also learned is that everybody is not doing it the same way and everybody doesn't understand it the same way. The foundation of what mental health has actually been in this country, the complexities of systemic racism, the complexities of lack of representation. Um, when you look at just clinicians across the country, um, the American Psychological Association told us most recently that 90% of clinicians are white 
And that is not in and of itself a problem. But when you look at the diversity of America, what that says is that you have a whole population of people that are not represented in the clinical space. And so not understanding the cultural nuances of a people, not having an understanding of the history or the experiences of a people. And it may not even be intentional by those white clinicians, but just the way that we have matriculated through our academics, the histories of so many people have been left out of that conversation. So we don't necessarily understand the struggle of enslaved Africans and African-American descendants of first-generation immigrants of Asian Americans, of Pacific Islanders, of indigenous peoples. There are so many groups that we don't understand of our Latino community, of our gay and lesbian community, of our transgender community, of our, um, our communities with disabilities, of our communities with mental illness. I mean, I could just go on and on. There are so many people that get left out of our understanding and also out of the visibility. And because we don't see them, we don't recognize their existence. We don't learn their existence. We don't empathize with their existence. We don't know their existence. We don't know their struggles. We don't know their, their strengths. We don't have a respect and an appreciation for them. We don't have a respect and an appreciation for diversity. You know, we have just started to move past tolerance, right? We talk about, um, you know, having tolerance of people, just even the thought process, who are you to need to tolerate another human being, right? Like just the way that we see humanity, how we see each other, it's lacking because we've been conditioned to have that silenced in the way that we understand one another. And so as I'm coming to really understand the meaning of the work I do, as I'm coming to understand, and I work with a lot of people, like clinically speaking, I have worked with so many men, women, and children and in various formats from group to individual to couples, and to understand how I see trauma, how I see humanity, how I see mental wellness, I'm recognizing that it is different in many ways than a lot of my colleagues. I'm recognizing that it is uh, a contemporary way of understanding mental wellness. I'm recognizing that um, the foundations of what we've been taught does not encompass what necessarily needs to be encompassed. And so how I see the work I do, I recognize that my perspective and my voice may be unique, more unique than what I thought. You know, I thought I'm one of many, I, I, we all do this and we all do it the same way. And as I meet other colleagues and as I meet clients who have come into the space to be healed and have left the space unhealed and are looking to still come back because the healing needs to happen. I start to think, oh my goodness, okay, maybe we don't all do it the same and maybe we don't all see it the same. And how can I teach as many people as I can before I leave this planet how to do this and how to think about it this way? Because I think anybody can do it if they get the magnitude and the depth, not just the breadth of what this is about. You know, it's a way of existing, it's a way of connecting, it's a way of healing, but first it has to be a way of understanding within us, and that's the seed that needs to be implanted within the next generation of healers. As you're revolutionizing mental health and the aspects of it, you know, for the 90% of your colleagues, would you say that's more of negligence or just naive, like they're just being naive to reality? Because that's something that I personally struggle to understand with 
how certain things move. Like I personally, I come from the struggle, from the gutter. Like we're all mixed, yeah. mixed bunch of people and like yeah. our family's diverse. And that outlook always gave me a positive understanding. And then it's like, oh, why? What, where is the comprehension of the growth? Are, are they naive mm -hmm. or is it negligence? And I just, I wanted to ask your professional opinion because as you said that it just, it reenacted re a trigger that was like, man, she's really revolutionizing something that people slept on. Mm -hmm. A lot of people slept on the idea that, hey, something's wrong inside and no one's willing to help me. And it's, you know, yeah. on the side of the map, yeah. on the other side of the spectrum, they're getting help. They're getting different understandings. They're able to release these different cognitions that they have built up and, and able to release it versus us. We're still battling that. And it comes into one battle mm -hmm. to what's going on in front of us. And then it carries through and then eventually you'll address it or it, it'll address itself. And, you know, it's yeah. just yes. or negligence. And, because I just, you, you know, know that, that's good. That's Zylo, that is such a good question. And it's so ironic that you talk about it like revolutionizing uh, mental health. Because I literally on social media, maybe about two or three weeks ago, just updated my profile to, to, to say that I, I consider myself a bit of a mental health revolutionary, if you will. And I had to go and look at what the definition of a revolutionary was because I wanted to be real. Um, I choose my words carefully. And when I read it, I was like, yep, yep, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm doing. And that's intentional um, to do that. And I think that to your question, is it naivety or is it negligence? I think at this point, it's a, it's a desired naivete that leads towards negligence right? Because most people don't have the desire or the willingness or the motivation to do the work that's necessary to have the understanding. At this point, you're just complicit. Like you, you there's no way that you don't recognize that certain cultures have been left out of the mainstream culture, right? That we have decided that there is a hierarchy of culture, that that is embedded into the fabric of who we are. And that's not just a national conversation. That's a global one because people are struggling in their mental wellness all over the world. There are powers that be that could care less about the average person all over the world, right? power, supremacy, uh, ethnic uh, supremacy, however we choose to see those dynamics, that creates something that is a global, unfortunate human aspect of the way we show up with one another, right? So if you know that, but you are then willing to sit back, especially in places and spaces where you call yourself a healer or where you set up shop to help heal people, but you don't do the work to be able to do that, then you are absolutely complicit and negligent in a system that continues to abuse and traumatize people who have already been abused and traumatized. And so when you talk about white people just within the United States, right? As we talk about that conversation between surviving and thriving, it's almost like a, if you look at it like a, a sprint, right, on a track and you actually have runners. The way that the culture has been set up, it has been set up in a way that has allowed them to move, the majority of them, to move from surviving to thriving 
far longer than many other groups. And so when you say, okay, so my Hispanic uh, brothers and sisters are struggling still, my black brothers and sisters are struggling still, my indigenous folks, God bless them, are lucky to still just be alive after everything that's happened on this continent that has been set up to basically move them towards extinction, right? Extinct, excuse me, extinction. So when you look at these concepts, if you don't realize that other people have just moved towards wellness and they've had more opportunity, they've been doing it longer, the system is set up in place for them to have that thriving and flourishing, then you won't understand why some folks still are over here just struggling. And if you don't get real about the history of that, that as they move towards thriving, that there have been literal systems and acts put in place in order to push them back down. Because there are some groups that we don't want to see thrive. There are some groups that we want to always stay on the bottom so that they continues to serve those folks who are thriving, right? That has been the culture. And that is a history, that is a documented fact. But if we never deal with the fact, if we are overwhelmed by the fact, if we wanna clean our hands of that fact, if we say that those facts have nothing to do with us, then what are you doing in this moment? Because if you're benefiting from that, if you're perpetuating that, if you're not acting against that, if you're not moving towards dismantling that, if you look at it and go, oh, that's so sad for them, but then turn that off and your reality looks different, you are complicit in the very things that you shake your head and say shouldn't be. And that's every one of us. We all have the ability to affect change because we all can do something with where we are, whether that's in your household, whether that's at your place of employment, whether that's in your community, whether that's in your nation, whether that's in the world, we are all interconnected as global citizens. So we all have the power to do something. It literally just has to start within us. So we have to move from changing that naivete to willing activism, first with ourselves, then with the people around us. Yes. That's just, it's such yeah. a great question. Whew. Whew. Hey, you had a full yeah, conveyor belt so going, going right there. I'm talking about they was coming out five at a time. <laughs> oh my That's Lord. great. I mean, these are so deep. Like these are great questions. And it's just one, I love being transparent. And two, something that they told me my gift is that I'm very personal. And sometimes I can't, I can't look at the script and go not say what my gut is telling me to say, because there's come on, come through. certain things that just point out. It's like, oh, that was a leverage. And I feel like I saw the leverage and she gave it and boom. And just, it continues to open up like onion layer skin. And, you know, none of us are crying. So you can tell we've been through the trauma to understand it. Come on. Come on, that part, that part. Yes, ma'am. I feel it's always someone that's invests an idea or puts someone in a position to reach their dreams. I really got to know who do we owe to thank you for investing into your dreams? Oh my goodness. There have been so many people along the way. Like I love to tell folks when you guys see me, you don't see everybody whose shoulders that I'm standing on. Right. And I don't take, even though my team will go, oh, no, that's all you. I really feel like I have the easy part. Right. Because I just get to sit up and just say the thoughts and the feelings that are coming out of my body. But it takes a whole team behind me. It's taken a series of a, a great therapist who has worked to heal me, who taught me many years ago that you can only take people as deeply as you're willing to go. And then I had to swallow that and go, OK, I want to go deep. 
right? Because I wanted to be able to really help other people go deep. And I wanted to be a reflection of that. And going all the way back, you know, we are built, life is developmental. So every moment builds on the next. So there hasn't been a single person by their presence or their absence who hasn't shaped the person that I am. So, you know, whether it is the person that I've had a five minute conversation with on the street that was like, whoa, that was a gem that you just dropped to the person that has sat with me for my entire life who knows me like no other, right? Everybody gives me something in that moment that allows me to show up in the next. I'm deeper in this moment just because we had this conversation, like I'm going to walk away a totally different person just because every situation deepens who you are and where you go. I love it because you gave, you know, it's very true. It takes a village to get to get something to really be done. If you want to see Absolutely. a kid be successful, it takes a village. You want to see an adult become successful and it's really hard because it's hard to repair a broken mm -hmm. man. It's easier to repair a broken child because of the way we are structured and built and how much of that stuff pours mm -hmm. in us. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, it, it definitely occurs. And I love the fact that you put the attention to the village, not, not to just yeah. one specific person. And that is a blessing within itself to understand it takes a village to arrive. Truly, Keep being, truly. being solid. <laughs> I got to know, what's one thing people got messed up about being a therapist on TV? They think that it is about a show right? They, they see the show, they don't see the business. And so I want people to understand that I am literally me wherever it is that I go. This is not a script. This is not all for TV. You know, I've seen some folks as I've read things on social media and they'll go, oh, of course she answered that that way because they gave her the script beforehand. Or of course that's TV and she knows these folks. And I just want people to understand that I decided a long time ago that it was really about doing the work. I'm not here for the show. And so everything that I sign up for and sign on to has been about showing people what healing looks like. And so these are not scripted places. I don't allow people to write scripts for me. I actually have so many stories that have been just hilarious over time where people have literally tried to write cue cards and you can see them in the background like turning away and trying to chase me with the thing because I'm literally like no you don't get to say my words right I am not a parrot I am not here for you to decide what you think that mental health looks like because it's great tv I'm not here for you to exploit somebody for someone else's entertainment I am here strictly for the work and so even with the clients that I have worked for or worked with on television. And I say work for because I'm there for them. My philosophy has always been everywhere I go, listen, if you guys want me to be a part of this project, that is absolutely great and I'm honored. But my one request is let me do my work and allow the cameras to capture what the work is, right? And I think that that's very important. I never want anybody to be able to walk away and go, that was a production, that was a show. You know, this was all, this. let me tell you what was really happening. Let me tell you how we really scripted that. I never want to be a part of a thing like that. So when you see it and when you see me, know that I'm doing the work and know that the people that are, that are sharing themselves with you, that are being vulnerable enough for you to see their stories, know that they're doing the work too. Oh yeah, no, she is the real deal. Because some of my darkest times last year, my wife was showing me this beautiful lady named Spirit 
and she had a whole bunch of game to drop to our situation and she don't know us from a speck on on the wall to, to the dirt on the ground she don't know us from nothing and she helped us so much and my wife was extremely thrilled I was able to get this interview and I was like that that is something that you know when you speak about from tv to reality to real life you're able to really help so many families and so many couples and so many people in understanding themselves and understanding those thoughts that just run wild. Um, let me tell you, that means so much. And that's the whole reason why I do it. It's like, as I'm constantly learning myself and being reintroduced to myself, it's really a, a reflective. I'm, I'm constantly in my head and in my body. And I feel like I'm just always ever evolving and ever growing. And then thankful that I have people around me that go, all right, yeah, I'm going to tolerate your conversations. You know, God bless my husband, because I'm always just bouncing off like, I just got this idea, right? Or I just have this thought. It's like an informal theory. But what if this connect? you know, I'm just, I'm there. But I think as I do that, and as I'm learning how to see the world differently, I just want other people to have that experience too, because it's so incredible. It's so incredible knowing like, you are enough and everything that you have experienced has made you better like you are incredible for who you are not in spite of it and how do you heal those wounds and use that for your testimony how do you use that to know that that's just constantly strengthening you and deepening you and better preparing you for what you need in order to thrive like how do you take every experience that you've had before in order to channel it to then bend the room in the way that you want it to bend every single time you show up? And how do you make sure that you understand that you have everything you need so you don't have to be anxious, you don't have to worry about the next moment because you have what you need in order to take care of you in the next moment. And if you don't, you can learn it now. And then how do you use that to be gentle enough and loving enough in your words and in your being to pass that on to the next generation, whether it's your children or the children that you come into contact with? Like, how do we really make the world better than we found it? How do we leave it that way? But how do we create it for ourselves too? Because we're somebody's baby too. So how do we create paradise right now as best we can and find our joy while we're struggling to survive? I you feel know, like that's kind of where I am. Yes, no, and you hit it right on the nail on the hammer when it comes to the root of it. The root of it comes down to, you know, households, families, and and basically yeah. addressing those. And, and if you're able to help a father understand how he thinks, he can be a better person to serve his children, serve his wife, serve his, mm -hmm. his mother of his children, or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you help him realize that he doesn't have to be anything than who he is? Because that's who she fell in love with. And that's who she chose instead of, oh, my gosh, I'm a husband now. So who is my idea of a husband, especially if my father or my uncles or I didn't have the male presence to show me that? How do I stop trying to be something and simply be? recognizing again that that's enough and you don't have to have the answers it's a journey it's an evolution so you can figure that out and you don't have to know it all for your children to learn because they're modeling you so how do you teach them that whatever you don't know you can get and that's their experience that's what they're here for that's what learning is you don't have to be finished already in order to be a thing 
you are that thing the moment you commit yourself to it. So the thing is not, how do I become a thing? It is what quality of that thing do I want to be? And you always have the ability to create and recreate that at your choosing. Right. And I think that especially for our men, because the toxic masculinity, what it means to be a man instead of you are a man because that's what you are assigning to yourself. So how do you introduce the world to you to say this is what a man looks like because I exist? Same thing for women, same thing for children, same thing for non-binary, like whoever you choose yourself to be, how do you introduce the world to your existence? Ooh. That's where we need to get to. Don't be in competition with the next person you see that got a write-up. Be in competition mm -hmm. with reality of what you're facing. Mm -hmm. I have That's a few good. questions for you, Spirit. In the spirit of having Spirit, what would Spirit do? I got three questions, <laughs> and, okay. and then we're going to close out. I, I know I probably ran way across time, but I wanted to... Let's do it. I got it. Okay. The What are three relationship goals married couples should be striving for each month? Oh, okay. So three, one, getting to continuing to do your work as an individual, because we constantly look for our relationships and our partners to create a certain feeling for us. And that has to come from within your partner and your relationship cannot be the center of your world that has to really be an enhancement to who you are. So it's that constantly. The other part is constantly learning your partner. No matter how long you've been together with your partner, whether it's been a day, a year, 10 years, 50 years, your partner is not the same person today that they were yesterday. So don't think you know who they are because the moment you stop trying to learn them and you start having your own conversations in your head, I'm going to say this, then they're going to say this, and then I'll do. And so then they'll do, forget it. I ain't even going to ask them. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Like you've already entered into a relationship with yourself and the fantasy of who that person is. So how do you constantly stay in alignment? That would be number two, right? How do you stay in alignment in your relationship? And then then how do you make sure that every month you are feeding into your relationship with the same passion, energy, and vigor that you are giving to the other parts of your relationship? So many of us nowadays, right, we're showing up and we give the best to everything else. And then when we come to our partner or to our relationship, which is separate from our partner, we're tired, we're depleted, we're irritable, we're depressed. So we show up with them in a way that doesn't feed the relationship and doesn't feed us or them. And then we go out into the world and give everybody all the laughs, all the dap, all our creativity, all of our passion, all of our productivity. And that is not going to feed your relationship. So how do you take care of you? How do you stay in tune and connected with your partner? And how do you show up and pour into your relationship in the most and with the most that you have to give? That would be my three. You just helped me so much. And everyone real personal. I'm like, you over here reading my mind on some of my issues. That was <laughs> good, good. That was deep. All right, question number two. What are two things parents mm -hmm. be doing with their children weekly to not lose their child by age 12? Oh, 
that's so good. And I want you to know that that's important because 50% of all mental illness develops before an individual is 14 years of age. And oftentimes we don't recognize what's going on with our children. We think they don't have any problems. We're doing the best that we can to take care of them. We think that we know them without even having any conversations with them. And we don't teach them about who they are nor do we allow them to be who they are. We need them to just be who we need them to be so that we can keep doing what we got to do because we're out here fighting a war for them, but then we leave them behind in the conversation. So I think what people really need to be doing is one, having conversations with their children, really getting to know their children, understanding that their children's thoughts, their feelings, and their behaviors matter, and how can you teach that to your children? But here's the hard part in that. You can't teach or give what you're not comfortable with and what you don't know. And so because so many of us haven't had that model to us, we don't know how to interact with our children. We forget that our children are people. And we talk to our kids in ways that we would not talk to another human being. We talk to our kids and we treat them in ways that we would not treat another human being, nor would we want to be treated in that way. And so we lose our children by the time that they're 12 and way before that, because we teach them that their feelings don't matter. So don't tell me how you really feel. We teach them that what they want doesn't matter, that we know what's best. So we teach them not to trust themselves, that they need external validation for their thoughts and feelings. Should I be doing this? Is that okay? Will you be proud of me? Will that make you happy? How do I take care of you? Instead of turning inward. So we really have to carve out time first to do our own healing work, to understand how we need to show up as parents to create a new legacy. And then we actually have to invest the time. So many of us, we don't invest the time, right? It takes too long to read to our kids. Cause again, like our relationships, we're too tired. We don't have enough. How do we take the time to play with our kids? How do we take the time to teach our kids to listen to themselves? What do you think? What do you think about that? How do you feel in your body? What do you think we should do? How do we really develop our children so that we can recognize and that they recognize that they are their own human beings who are already evolving into, a, into adulthood? And our job is really to cover them and to shield them and to grow them so that when they come into adulthood, they are thriving, not just struggling to survive the childhood that we created for them. Because that's the, the survival starts way back there. I learned this. Quote, They're trying to survive us. <laughs> right, right, right. They, you know, they don't listen to what we say. They listen or they see what we do. And then they reenact. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned this quote from Nipsey Hussle. I don't know where he got it from, but he said, you know, kids spell love T-I-M-E, not M-O-N-E-Y. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's always just like, hey, a meaningful moment, even if it's six hours, it's two minutes, you got to make it meaningful. And, you know, that's that's what it all boils down to, because that's where the investment really should lie. One last question. What is one thing a family can do to bring them together? Ooh, OK, so this is going to be tough. And a lot of families are going to be like, man, I can't do it, but I'm still going to give it to you because that's the blueprint. And that's what the ancestor said. Invest in some good family therapy. 
invest in some good family therapy. And the reason for that is because the intergenerational trauma that we are carrying is real. And it is the music that is playing in the background in our relationships with one another. So we don't understand why our mom and dads are irritable, why they're sad, why they're frustrated. We don't recognize that they have abandonment issues or rejection issues, or they didn't, they were neglected emotionally, or they weren't validated in those places and spaces. So then how we see them is with a disconnect, is with frustration and resentment for all the things that they didn't do and what we didn't get. And we don't see them as human beings. And they don't understand themselves because they had similar disconnects with their parents and their grandparents, because everybody was just trying to survive and nobody was being honest about the trauma that they are all carrying. So then when we try to interact, we're interacting with all of these things that are between us, all of the fake what we think parenting is, all of the fake what we think uh, being uh, the expectations and the roles that have been put on us. We have all of this stuff that doesn't allow us to show up with each other in meaningful, healthy ways to really decide what kind of experience do we want to create? What do we want our legacy to be? And until we hear that generational trauma, we are literally just walking around cut, wounded, and bleeding, bleeding on one another, acting like we don't see it, but we feel it all the time. And so generation after generation, we're suffering in silence. So it really is, how do we stop with the family secrets? How do we tell people the real deal? All of that, don't talk about what goes on under this roof, what, we, what happens in this house stays in this house connect people back to their bodies by talking about the domestic violence and the substance abuse and the molestation and the abandonment and the uh, leaving home and the infidelities. Like tell the truth about our family history because the guilt and the shame and the secrets is keeping us disconnected and making us feel bad and we don't understand why. So how do we heal whole families by giving everybody all the pieces of our lives, understanding that everything that we went through, there's no shame or guilt in that because it took all of that to bring us to this moment and we have survived. That makes us warriors. We are the strongest, we are the fittest, we are the most prepared for this moment in time. That's how we're gonna heal families. Yes, yes. That's what we would heal, heal, that's it. Come on, come on. Get to the root of the issue. Give it some water and, and give it mm -hmm. time. Keep on healing it. Heal come on. That. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Steele, you have survived my show as a reward. The floor is yours. <laughs> you know, let them know where they can find you. You know, let them know what you're doing right now is amazing, but let them know what you're doing next because, you know, everyone has to understand mm. what's going on today is beautiful, but it's preparing you for what's going to happen next. And you got to keep on embracing everything yeah. the same way. And so please let them know, shout out what you want to shout out. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have anything really to shout out. It's just a constant work in progress. I think I'm one of those people and by profession, I really operate in the shadows. So I'm all over the place. I got a lot of stuff that's going on, but it is, the work is really done in private. And so what I will tell you is just that Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to understand that you are not the only person that's going through it. 
you are a human being having a human experience and there is nothing, nothing that you will experience that millions of people all around the world are not experiencing right now in this very moment or haven't experienced before you and they are the testament of coming out on the other side or won't be going through what you are going through right now and can use your voice. So don't be afraid to show up in your fullest expression of yourself. Don't be afraid to be reintroduced to you constantly. Don't think you know the person next to you, but really don't think that you know yourself either. Keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving. I'm always here. I'm always here. However I can help, however I can lend my voice or a perspective. So you can find me at Talk to Spirit Everywhere, Talk the Number Two Spirit. And if there's anything to promote, I will say, I, let me promote Free Advice Fridays because I do a live mental health chat on my Facebook page every Friday, right? At noon Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. bright and early on the West Coast. And it's not a shameless plug. It's just a place where we all come together to chat and get real mental health tips, tools, perspectives, techniques. And what I love about it, it's the great ego. Equalizer. It's the one place. I don't care what work you do. I don't care what part of the world you're in. We are all just human beings when we step into that space. So you will see names and go, oh my gosh, so-and-so is chatting or they're chatting from that part of the world. Isn't it like the middle of the night? But it is the one place that we can all count on and come together. We've been doing it for five, going on six years now, and I will continue to do it as long as I have a voice and Wi-Fi. So, (laughs) you know, that's what I will say. Find me at talk, the number two spirit everywhere. And let's just keep mental wellness going. Don't ever let it leave the conversation. Don't ever let it leave your thoughts. And don't forget about the children because they can't take care of their mental wellness. They require us to do that for them. Absolutely. I want to tell everybody that Free Advice Friday is affirmations and testimonies and she gives it raw and uncut and delivers it so I good. do. You want more. <laughs> you want more. And that's something Aww, that you know you you definitely good. want to make sure you guys tune into because that's something I personally enjoy. My wife and I look forward to it. And if you notice, Dr. Spirit, my show's different, it's unique. You know, they said over there I gotta have segments. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not gonna do segments like them, but I'm gonna keep that same energy and close out. The viewers knows it's coming. I'm going to hit you with it. You got any questions for me? Do I have any questions for you? I am curious about these questions. How do they originate in you? That is the one good question that, because like I said, these have been, this has been an awesome, amazing interview. What made you reflect to want to ask these questions of me? Well, one it's always deep in my spirit to educate people on a blueprint of one, recognizing their gift, making their passion, their purpose, their purpose to finding a financial gain and to, you know, help people. Cause you first got to help yourself then you can help other people. And for me, I recognize there was always a void. Like people don't, they don't get personal in interviews. They keep it all cookie cutter. They keep it, you know, cut mm-hmm. dry. And where's the growth and hearing someone tell it, it's just rhetorical. They say the same thing over and over and over again. And so when I wanted to create a show, it was to basically allow people to be personal, but allow myself because everywhere I've gone, people just gravitate to me. I get life stories on the bus from since I've been a little kid or I I'm can see that. in the line at a, at a theme park and I'm knowing somebody from New Mexico and now I got friends in New Mexico. It's just, you know, it oddly happens. And it's like, how do you embrace that? How do you embrace all the relationships, but you don't have an intangible ability to bring it together? And then I found a way to talk about how people, you know, praise them for their success. 
and you know have real deep conversations and be open and that's something I am about this show is I love to be open because as transparent as I can be it helps myself reflect and it allows other people to be like hey there's a pothole ahead of me and he's talking about that pothole I see it now you know it existed and now I can maneuver around that without affecting my motor or progressing come through well you know what healers show up in every place and space all over the world folks just have to know where to look so you are doing the healing work i recognize you i honor you i see you colleague you don't even realize that that's a healing job that you were doing so kudos because there will be far more people who hear your voice and find your medium than will ever show up in my office so thank you for the work that you do as well keep doing that because that is the healing part of the job that's the journey The most important thing I got out of this is I got a lot of healing and understanding for my own understanding. I learned a long time ago, if I have these same questions, a lot of people have the same questions, but they're afraid. They don't want to ask. They don't want to know. They don't want to know something that can actually help them grow. They'd rather say, hey, I throw more water into the concrete. Maybe this rose will grow. And it will. Mm -hmm. But you got to put a lot of work into it. Yeah, well, they're afraid, you know, a lot of people are afraid because when they, if nobody else is asking the question, they trick themselves into believing it's because they all know, and they're the only person that doesn't. That's why I say on social media, you know, for therapy, it's like, come on and let me teach you how to how to live the life you perpetrate on social media, because that's all everybody is doing. Everybody's just perpetrating, but we are really having the real human experience below and beneath the surface. We're just quiet because we're like, oh, nobody else is raising their hand. All right. I don't want them looking negatively at me. So let me just be quiet, too. And then we all suffer stupidly in silence. Right never getting the answer to the question, nobody knows. And then we have another generation of stupid floating around trying to then lead other people. I mean, you only need to turn on any channel at this point to understand and see the ramifications of that. Come on, the only way the blind gonna lead the blind is if someone's outside on the hood of the car. (laughs) That's good, that's good. On that note, it's Contrast Uncut, it's season five. This is my spotlight episode to talk to Spirit Edition. And boy, we chopped it up. I wanna give a big shout out to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you brothers. Cause I wouldn't be able to do incredibly dope stuff. Like, you know, chop it up with Dr. Spirit about her history. And I mean, she let them gems fly. I'm talking about she had a conveyor belt just busting out gems. 15, 20, 30 carats. I'm talking about if you got hit face with a gym, just hope the crystals just marinate in your body and you absorb it because you're going to elevate from that. She dropped so much gems on here that I'm going to hit rewind after I hit close on this record. You hear me? Thank you so much, Dr. Spirit. Wait, and I got to give the shout out because of course I am from the West Coast. Yay, yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do got to shout out Joseph Planton. I humbly appreciate you putting all the time, effort, communication, and making this happen, brother. You are a king. I humbly, humbly appreciate you. Blessings on blessings. Peace. Thank you, Queen. You are so awesome. Thank you for a really great interview. I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. I hope this helps a lot of people. I hope they get, uh, I hope you get a lot of followers uh, or a lot of viewers on this one. I hope so. I just hope to keep the message going. You know, you learn that you have a bigger voice when more people talk about what you're talking about. And that's the thing is just getting the messages out there. People can grow if they take the time to find it. And like in music, you just need more ears. 
That's it. Well, thank you for magnifying my message. I appreciate you. I really do. All love. Thank you so much. Have a blessed yeah. day. Okay. Once you get it produced, make sure you send me the link and all that, and I'll throw it up on my pages too, for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I got you. I got you on that. Woo! I got goose. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We're here. You're plugged in now. So anything you need, you know, just reach out to us. We're always here. I humbly, humbly appreciate that. That is a blessing. My pleasure. Andy. Oh, my pleasure. So nice to meet you. Welcome to the fam, Zylo. Thank you for making me a part of yours. I'll see you soon then. Yes, I hope that would blow my mind. I Have love it. Tell day. your wife I say hello. I'm glad that she helped us connect. Yes, yes. No, trust me, I'm going to call her. She's a teacher and I'm getting ready to interrupt the class. What's her name? Martisha. Martisha, girl. Thank you. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you soon. <laughs>